When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm Zoe Forsey, your host this week. And we've actually got a slightly quieter week after what feels like a very chaotic couple of months. So we've got uh, some more rumours about the Cambridges and their move to Windsor. Some updates on Prince Andrew, including a very unexpected statement, should we say. And also some updates from Meghan and Harry. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Royal Editor Russell Myers. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm very well. Good afternoon. How have you been? Are you feeling a bit calmer now? I am. It's sort of the, you know, the, definitely the calm after the storm. It's, uh, I mean, it's just been absolutely crazy the last few weeks. And then off the back of the tour, and then there was sort of no let up. Obviously, there's uh, Prince Andrew has been in the news quite a lot over the last week or two. So, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I think this is normally a bit of a downtime period because, as uh, as our listeners will well know, that the royals do like to take the holidays off, and Easter is nearly upon us. However, Easter break, yes, of course, plen- plenty of planning going ahead because we've got the Invictus Games coming up. Um, yeah. Harry is obviously very busy with that. Uh, I will be going for a part of it, and um, I think there's yeah plenty to look forward to, and there might be a few surprises along the way. I'm sure. Definitely. Now, before we start, I had a very fun royal day off this week. Did you see I went to Windsor? I did. I did. I've seen you've been on your travels. I was I was in full on royal geek mode. It was great. And I was walking around with my friend and I think she was getting a bit annoyed at it by the end because I kept saying, oh, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? <laughs> I was like giving her all little bits from Meghan's, you know, like Meghan and Harry's wedding and the York sisters wedding and stuff like that. And by the end of it, she was just like... I just want to listen to my <laughs> the like actual tour now. Please be quiet. But what I did think was interesting was like the tour you go when you round uh, go round. Prince Charles has added a new message to the start of it, um, oh, cool. which is good. Like talking about the COVID pandemic and like welcoming everyone back, which I thought was really nice. Um, I wonder if that was one of his kind of lockdown jobs that they gave him to do when when everything else was <laughs> cancelled. Yeah, but no, it was good. And also, obviously, got to explore the beautiful Windsor. Look, went to lots of the pubs. Went to the what did we go? We did the Prince. Harry, we did the Duchess of Cambridge, uh, all the tea shops, and maybe some places that the Cambridges might be popping into because there were more rumours. I know it's been something we've discussed several times over the last year or so, but more rumours this week that they could be upping and moving, moving a bit closer to the Queen. Well, yeah, I mean, this has been knocking around for a couple of years, this story, and it sort of seems to rear its head every now and then. I mean, perhaps it was a, uh, a, a quiet, quiet news day, but there were reports over the weekend that William and Kate are, we obviously know, want to move to Windsor. I think that that's fairly evident, um, certainly within within that area, in the Berkshire area, because whether George will go to Eton, there's other schools they could send them to for um, before, before he goes to Eton. So, um the new line, I suppose, was whether William and Kate want to move there sooner rather than later. And it was reported that they want to move as soon as this summer to be nearer the Queen. So I suppose on one hand, you can understand it. Um, 
I mean, George, we were talking about this the other day about when do you go to prep schools? Because it's not it's, it's quite different, different from sort of the state educated system to the private educated system. I suppose you, you normally go to your big school, as it were, when you're 13 in the private sector where the Cambridge children would obviously go. Um, and so he's eight now. Where he's Where is he going to go in between that section? And there are obviously schools that the Cambridges have been l- looking at. I mean, whether this will happen sooner rather than later, it might make sense. They they sort of want to use Kensington Palace as a working palace. I think that that's been widely discussed. Um, the fact is that they definitely don't necessarily want to live in London anymore. They are travelling all the time up to Anma in uh, in Norfolk. It's quite a big journey just to do for the weekend. Although Norfolk is absolutely gorgeous. I was going to say, worth worth the drive, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, it is worth the drive. I mean, the North North Norfolk broads are absolutely stunning. So, I mean, when you've got a big man in a house given to you by your granny, I mean, it (laughs) obviously makes sense to spend as much time as possible there. However, would they set their sights on living in Berkshire, be closer to the Middletons? Um, I think that stands to reason that there there is obviously a lot of movement uh, uh, around where they would need to put the children into school um, before, you know, George does go tweeting in a few years. So presuming he does. And then whether he would be a day boarder, a day boy, uh, proper boarding as um, as uh, both William and Harry did. I don't know. I mean, it, it is all very much in the air. But there are some just lots of speculation as to what possible houses they could look at obviously the queen has now moved to windsor castle uh permanently so that sort of puts that off the off the menu as it were royal lodge is uh is something that was mentioned however prince andrew obviously lives there i was gonna i was quite surprised by that that felt like it would that would really ruffle some feathers wouldn't it if they kicked andrew out he would yeah I, i i suppose he would have to agree to move out and as as I, again, I suppose that was then centre along the fact of whether he could afford to live there because, you know, what's he doing for money now? He's had, had this huge multi-million pound payment to Virginia Dufresne, um, that the Queen has had to help him out on. Whether he is able to even meet the cost of the upkeep or whether the Queen is paying for that, we still don't know. Would Frogmore House be... Um, uh, a place where they, where they could settle. I mean, it's a beautiful, absolutely stunning place where Meghan and Harry had their reception, just very close to Frogmore Cottage, where it's, I, I suppose it's still classed as their UK residence. There's another place called Adelaide Cottage, built in 1831, very, very near Windsor Castle. Um, and I suppose this all fits into the narrative on them wanting to be nearer the Queen. William is taking more of a central role within the business of running the firm alongside his father i think we've seen that with the conversations that have happened not only with um uh what did they call it when it was uh the sandringham summit when yes. when when megan and harry's deal to leave the family was agreed certainly william was was part of that and i think when you're looking at the the conversations that have been had of what to do with prince andrew he is very very much a part of that as well so Certainly wants to be closer to the Queen. Would it help being um, in Windsor? Yes, potentially. The Queen is obviously in advancing years. Prince Andrew and the Countess of Wessex are probably her two most frequent visitors. 
does that pose a problem? I mean, there was a lot of made about Prince Andrew being front and centre, as it were, in uh, at Westminster Abbey last week for the Duke of Edinburgh's memorial service. And you know, as it was explained to me by a very, very um, close source to the Cambridges, that, uh, that, that a lot of the family think that Prince Andrew is manipulating his position. And I think that that's really interesting when you look at that, that he's very, very close to the Queen, both in terms of locality and in terms of his relationship. Whether he will be appearing in any of the uh, Platinum Jubilee celebrations, there's an awful lot have been said about that over the last week or so. So um, would, would the Cambridges want to be nearer the Queen to keep an eye on on, the, on the, Uncle Andy popping around? I mean, your guess is as good as mine at the moment. It Yeah, it is really interesting, isn't it? And obviously we discussed uh, his huge and very surprising role at Prince Philip's memorial last week so if you've not listened to that episode yet um, go back and have a, a, a proper listen to all Russell and I's thoughts on that but it, it would be lovely for the Cambridges to be nice you know nice and close to the Queen obviously we know that when Harry and William were at Eton they used to pop over um, pop over to Windsor Castle didn't they for, for tea with the Queen and they had that kind of relationship with their nan so how lovely would it be if in you know kind of three or four years time George could could do that with his with his great grandmother and um, so yeah it'd be a really exciting move and as you said beautiful beautiful place but it will be really interesting to see what kind of comes from it really and we you know what to expect and um, but speaking of prince andrew the biggest I'd say the biggest royal story of this week has been that the statement he put out on the falklands um, and his time there and it was I was absolutely baffled by this, to be honest. It came out via Sarah Ferguson's Instagram page. She wrote that she'd asked him to kind of sit down and reflect on his time, you know, obviously time in the war. And it was just absolutely baffling, wasn't it? What did you think when you saw it? Well, I mean, I first saw it on Twitter and people had screenshotted it. And I, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you, because I do think that Andrew's, inner circle is so small now that he is pretty much only listening to a couple of people and and one of those is Fergie I mean and God if you're taking advice from Fergie then you know you're 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 in quite a lot of trouble I suppose because her um she's she's made a few mistakes herself over the years I mean this is really ill-advised certainly we're just coming off the back of this huge payment to Virginia Giffray. Then there was the um, furore over his position of travelling with the Queen and then walking her up the aisle of uh, Westminster Abbey to her to her seat, or certainly close to her seat, then taking a front a front row um, seat in the Abbey. Um, I mean, we've discussed that at length, and I think it's and it's still up for discussion about the the um, the issues at play there because a lot of the family were were hoping that he would just take a back seat, let the dust settle, um, and and really disappear into the background because there has been such a lot of tawdry and unwelcome headlines for the rest of the royal family over this, and then the fact that he is now again putting himself into the limelight you know the argument is whether he should have taken a back seat or at the duke of edinburgh's memorial service whether he was well whether he was fully entitled to because it was his father um but this sort of action from 
Sarah Ferguson saying, I asked Andrew this morning for his reflections on the anniversary of his sailing from Portsmouth to the Falkland Islands 40 years ago. And then it goes into this three or four page uh, sort of account of his war heroics about how he had gone to war, how he'd left a boy but came back a man. It had changed him forever. I mean, if that wasn't bad enough, then he's signed it, written by HRH, the Duke of York. And as we know, from stepping back from his public role because of this scandal uh, involving the sex abuse allegations by Virginia Giffray, he is not allowed or not permitted, certainly not been, re- been requested that he doesn't use his Royal Highness as a title. So this is not him disappearing into the background. This is not him taking a back seat. This is once again him putting himself out on social media because his own social channels have been put away. And I think it is... Um, it's, it's going to cause a problem because we, we'd spoken about the fact that Charles and William were absolutely united, the fact that they didn't necessarily want him to have a central role at the Duke of Edinburgh's memorial. And here we are again, Andrew and Fergie putting him front and centre. Um, I mean, it can't be seen as anything but another power play, as he did when the Duke of Edinburgh died straight up in front of the cameras. And um, I think it's quite extraordinary, to be honest. But if you know anything about Andrew, which we, most of us do, it's that uh, I'm, I don't find it that surprising, do you? See, I really did. I don't know why I think it, yeah, as you said, it, it's, it's kind of what you expect from him, but I was still really shocked to see. I think, I think it was just the contrast between the front page of every single newspaper after Prince Philip's memorial was so negative. Our own splash was, you know, our headline was uh, the pain and the stain. Very similar messages echoed across all of our, you know, all newspaper coverage, all over Twitter, all over social media. Everyone was so surprised. How could he see those, see all those front pages and then think, oh, okay, well, let me step back into, you know, try and step back into the spotlight again and it just felt, you know, it felt like he was trying to remind everyone of the war hero he's been. Well, it is. I mean, is it the absolute arrogance, yeah. the absolute arrogance. And the, again, when you when he's coming out to the, to the TV cameras after Prince Philip's death, he certainly didn't need to do that. But it was to remind people that he was the son of the man who was so revered, so adored throughout the country. I mean, there was a huge feeling of sadness when Prince Philip passed away. Um you know, Countess Wettick put it so eloquently when she was talking about his final moments and how she'd spoken to him and how she'd been with, uh, how the Queen was being tremendously stoic. And then, you know, he was straight up there in front of the cameras. You certainly didn't, you, you saw Prince Charles making a public statement and, um, and uh, in front of the camera. And then, uh, and then William and Harry making, making their own statements in, uh, in print. I mean, I, I, again, I think you're right. It was surprising as in shocking. But if we know anything about Andrew, he does not want to disappear into the background. He, I mean, I've been told by people very close to him that he still feels he has an awful lot to give. Public service, the family, he doesn't want to step back. He sees himself as a young man. I mean, he's only 62. And so um, he feels that this this settlement was just made to make the problem go away. He hasn't admitted liability. He'd always denied wrongdoing in that case. So uh, I don't think it, I don't think it will be the last of him, to be honest. So um, and if Fergie's got anything to do it, then uh, you know she'll probably have him on a baking show before we know it. <laughs>
Oh, God, yeah, can you imagine? Well, we were talking about Fergie on Dancing with the Stars, weren't we? So maybe you'll have <laughs> well, Andrew on Bake Off or yeah. what else have could we you have? Have we got any bookies in the house? Can we have odds on Prince Andrew in Bake Off and uh, Fergie on Dancing with the... Was it, it was Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars, yeah. It's nothing, nothing's impossible. <laughs> so that was, so it was that 700 word statement, which was put up and then it was, they removed the HRH and then they removed the whole thing together, didn't they? So what, obviously, do we know anything about what happened behind the scenes for them to do? Because it's a big thing to take it down to admit, you know, like that's very much admitting that it was a wrong call. So 700 words, was it? 700 oh words. Gosh, I mean, it's, um, I imagine somebody at the palace went apoplectic and said, what on <laughs> earth do you think you're doing? There would have been calls. I mean, again, I I I, I wasn't around. Um, I was taking some time off, but I remember I remember seeing it, so I, I wasn't really following it up. However, un, undoubtedly, there would have been calls at the palace. There would have been people saying, "What on earth do you think you are doing?" Firstly, for the HRH, then that was taken off. Then I think they would have, I mean, maybe there was some kickback. You never know, saying, well, I can do, do what I like. And then that's why the HRH was taking off. And then maybe somebody had another quiet word and said, you know, do you think this is the best look considering it's uh, you know, the 40th anniversary of the Falklands um, war, the, the conflict that happened? Um, again, there was a, just yesterday, there was a... Um, a service at St Paul's Cathedral attended by Princess Anne that was very, very moving. Uh, lots of veterans were there. There was um, a real sort of commemoration of, of the event. And the fact is that that is happening at the moment. And yet Prince Andrew seems to see it appropriate that he will just put himself in the, in the front of it like he did at the Duke of Edinburgh's memorial service, and again using another massive um, sort of date in the calendar to, to remind everybody of his his heroics in that sense. So um, again, I, I, I'm not surprised. I just think it's um, it's pretty pretty in, in pretty bad taste, to be honest. No, I can I completely agree, and it, it, I just have a very strong image of aides and kind of press officers and everyone at the palace just kind of sitting there with their heads in their hands. Going, oh yeah, of course. Oh, On a what Saturday now? as well. I exactly. Mean, lovely, no lovely rest. day off. Um, and another one, just to mention briefly, because um, I know we've spoken about Andrew quite a lot, but what's another money row to do with a, a Turkish millionaire? Well, this is very interesting because, again, he can't really stay out of the headlines at the moment, Prince Andrew, and uh, it's going from one thing to another. This involves, again, the Duke of York being embroiled, embroiled in a legal riddle over £750,000 payment from a Turkish millionaireess. Now, this is a woman called Nabat Isabelen. It's she is 77 who claims she was scammed out of a fortune by a dishonest businessman who was allegedly tricked into giving the Duke of York money by way of payment for assistance with her passport. So this is ongoing at the High Court at the moment and seems absolutely extraordinary that Andrew could have been embroiled. Now, it seems the allegations are that there was a... um, a man called Mr. Turk, who was uh, one uh, part of his pitch at Palace event. You remember that Dragon's Den style oh, yes, competition that he was running? And then just a few short days after him winning the event, there was a payment of £750,000 made from this man to Prince Andrew, which he has since paid back. 
But then uh, daughters were allegedly involved in it. They were receiving payments. They didn't know who it was. I mean, this is an ongoing court case. We can't say too much. But it just, again, puts him in just an arena where you just imagine he should not be in. Why on earth is he receiving sums of money from uh, foreign business, uh, foreign businessmen and women that to uh, and being embroiled in this sort of scandal. I mean, it's just absolutely extraordinary. So I think we'll be speaking a lot more about this because this is an ongoing court case at the High Court. But again, um, he's claiming he hasn't done anything wrong. He's paid the money back. Nobody knows what the loan was. There was some um, insinuation that this some of the money was paid as a loan for Princess Beatrice's wedding. I mean, the list goes on. So um, just watch this space with it, I suppose. But it, it's, if one thing is certain, it's that Prince Andrew can't stay out of the headlines, it seems, <laughs> at the moment. No, I know. Now, I'm actually going to change the order of how we were going to talk about things because, to be honest, it feels like we've just spoken about very horrible, negative, kind of grim things for the first 15 minutes. So let's talk about Charles and Camilla stay out at EastEnders. They met, it was a, this is some extraordinary. great pictures. This was lovely. Tell us a bit about that. Well, people will know. I imagine that all of our English viewers or our UK viewers will know about uh, the, the hit show EastEnders. How, how long has it been going from, for? 70s? Oh, gosh, Surely. I can't remember. It's been going... Oh, no, here we go. I'm looking at it. First aired in 85. BBC EastEnders is the longest running continuing television drama on the BBC. It's set in the fictional borough of Walford. An award-winning programme has created some of the most talked about moments in British television. And because legend of, uh, of the TV screen, June Brown, sadly passed away this week. She used to play Dot Cotton. And um, I mean, she'd been in since right, right at the beginning, I think, June Brown, absolute legend who had met royalty. She would, I mean, she was absolutely, she's absolutely TV royalty herself, isn't she? So it had extra significance, I think, this trip, uh, which was just before June Brown sadly passed away. But um, Charles and Camilla were on the set. He was, I mean, he was lauded for his chivalry because he gave Letitia Dean, who plays, who does she play, Letitia Dean? Oh, I can't remember. I've not watched EastEnders in ages. Sharon. Sharon, Sharon that's, that's it. it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she plays a uh, character called Sharon. I mean, I think a lot of our US... I mean, EastEnders used to be popular in the US. You used to have to pay for it. It, it was oh, on really? some sort of subscription service. Because when I used to go to the States to visit my family, they had it on some sort of subscription service. But I presume <laughs> people in, uh, in Australia and elsewhere in the world will know it is it's pretty famous so they were on the on the set he was giving Letitia Dean his coat because it was very chilly he oh was yeah saying, that was really nice actually and that was kind of you don't <laughs> tend to see not that he's not you know always a gentleman but you don't tend to see that that felt very Kate and Will's generation didn't it it wasn't quite a I child know, things wow. to do it's nice there was an, another thing and that Camilla let slip because one of the stars in EastEnders it was also on um, Strictly Come Dancing, very popular show here in the UK. And Camilla lets slip that the the Queen watches Strictly Come Dancing, or sort of said that she she, she thought oh. that she'd been catching up with it. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, there's there's nothing stranger than fact in in these moments. I think that uh, when when they're walking along the the streets there of Albert Square, it all seems a bit surreal. But um, sometimes fact is uh, is stranger than fiction. 
It's I love events like this where you see these in things. And because did the Queen go to Corrie, Coronation Street, another soap last yeah, year? Yeah, the Queen's been to Corrie definitely before, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think Corrie's been... Coronation Street is on a different channel. That's set in Yorkshire, whereas uh, EastEnders is obviously set in the East End of London. The Queen has been... Um, I think there's been a few royal visitors to uh, Coronation Street over the years, to be fair. And did I see that she met Danny Dyer? Did, did, did I she see did. that they now, met Danny Dyer? you don't know who <laughs> Danny Dyer is, right, he's sort of a hard man actor from the, uh, from the East End of London. Uh, he's, he's a... I suppose he's a proper cockney. I think he's actually from Tottenham. I'll find out. He's a, he's a West Ham fan. Anyway, maybe he is from Tottenham. So Danny Dyer, if you don't know who he is, he is a hard man actor who plays a character called Mick, who runs the Queen Vic in EastEnders. Now, the reason why Danny Dyer has sort of... I mean, he's a pretty hes pretty famous anyway. He's been in lots of films. He sort of plays the same sort of character quite a lot. But he did a show in the UK, and I'm sure this is... I think it's in America as well, but it's called Who Do You Think You Are? And they trace your family tree right back and sort of look at who, whether you came from gentry, from, you know, from the the poor, the poorest of the poor. And he descended from William the Conqueror and he was absolutely obsessed with this fact and he's, it was and he's so weird it. wasn't it he talks about he's it me- constantly he does talk about it constantly <laughs> and he I mean it's, it's something like he's hundred he's a thousand in line to the throne or something ridiculous like this so he has mentioned this to Charles before and Charles sort of stared at him blankly <laughs> and was like what on earth are you talking about that he was saying that we you know we're practically related however Danny Dyer did meet the royals again and when questioned one of my colleagues questioned about whether he may mention it to him again <laughs> and he rather sheepishly said no because he looked like he i mean he just looked absolutely bemused last time i spoke to him <laughs> however danny dyer is i mean i think most people descend from william the conqueror anyway but for all intents and purposes danny dyer um is royalty <laughs> and, he, and he will not let anyone forget it <laughs> that was a great moment i did love the pictures of that and you could just yeah i was really hoping she just could see it on the tip of his tongue being like oh, hello <laughs> trying to do it but no that was a great event actually it was a really it was a fun event actually and i think it kind of after a difficult couple of weeks for royals it had some made some nice headlines which i think uh, we all needed and as you said the pictures as they always are with that were great but uh not such kind of positive news is a new netflix documentary which is out in the uk today i don't actually know when it's on in the us but uh the big line from this uh was letters that prince charles sent uh to jimmy savile asking and again weird asking for kind of advice and pr tips and how to deal with fergie I mean, again, so if you don't know who Jimmy Savile is, he was a huge entertainer back in the sort of 60s, 70s, right up until the 90s, I suppose. Um, and he'd raised an awful lot of money. He was uh, a big, big star on the BBC. However, he was in sort of, I suppose, in the about five years ago, he was pretty much implicated to have been one of the biggest sex offenders of of modern times and a huge huge scandal enveloped the bbc about cover-ups about the access that jimmy savile had had to children's homes a horrific horrific and tawdry scandal and it seems that jimmy savile did actually hoodwink um a lot of 
people within the establishment. And that goes for the BBC, that goes for the royal family, that goes for huge charities. I mean, there was allegations that he had keys to the hospitals. He was visit a frequent visitor to children's homes and children that he was abusing throughout many, many years. Now, I think that this is a, a, tad, a tad unfair to sort of maybe say that Prince Charles's character was called into question. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it makes... Very, very uncomfortable reading that, that Charles was asking Jimmy Savile for help with the royal family's public relations. There are handwritten letters that have been found by this documentary crew. I mean, this has been intimated in the past, but it's, I mean, it, it, it basically reveals that Jimmy Savile had leveraged his position of power and influence not only to, to find his way into to charities where he was then able to abuse children over many, many years, but also was then giving advice to the heir to the throne, which is an absolutely extraordinary turn of events. And Charles was asking him for advice on uh, PR blunders involving Prince Andrew and Fergie. He'd reached out to him to try and help out with the royal family's image. Um, I mean, just when you read these, I mean, Charles is, I mean, reading one of the letters now, Charles at Sandringham on the 14th of January 1989 said, perhaps I am wrong, but you are the bloke who knows what's going on. What I really need is a list of suggestions from you. I so want to get to parts of the country that others don't get to reach. And obviously, Jimmy Savile at the time was really known for his philanthropy. Um, which he was able to use as a mask to go on and, and, and sexually abuse hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of, of victims over uh, you know, decades. Whether this you know, is, a, is a big scandal these days, I don't know. Some people say it calls into question Prince Charles's uh, judgment. I think, well, if you're going to start pointing fingers, then there are hundreds and hundreds of people over the years who were absolutely hoodwinked um, from 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 Jimmy Savile's awful crimes and the way that he was able to manipulate people. So again, unwelcome headlines for the royal family. Uh, but, but I think it'll be quite an interesting documentary to see how um, you know Jimmy Savile, an absolute horrific monster, was able to uh, go undetected for so long. And one of the other points he mentioned was that uh, Prince Charles writes in the letters that he passed this, ad, you know, the advice uh, that Savile gave him on to the Queen and Prince Philip. You know, they they all saw it, they were all discussing it. And it just, as he said, obviously, we will be very clear here that there's no kind of suggestion that Prince Charles, the same as, ev- you know, everyone in the UK and around the world, nobody had any idea about this. And it's the same for Charles, that he was just fooled the same as everybody else was. Um but yeah, and all the, the Fergie stuff I thought was really interesting. Talking about, oh, you know, how can we, um, you know, how can we help? What was it? I wonder if you could ever be prepared to meet my sister-in-law, the Duchess of York. I can't help feeling that it would be extremely useful for her if you could. I feel she could do with some of your straightforward common sense, which is just a really personal thing to, not personal, but you know, it's really, it's obviously felt very yeah, well, comfortable it is. chatting to him. It's, to, it's, 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 it's incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. I mean, this is sort of the Fergie was finding herself at the, um, the the nub of a lot of press interest because of what what she was doing. I mean, she was having a terrible time back in the uh, the, the, the 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 late eighties, early nineties, I suppose, leading up to the divorce. And so, the, the the real issues at hand here were that Jimmy Savile was able to totally manipulate his position and he had his tentacles 
far and wide. And it, this strikes at the, not the, the heart of the establishment and how he was able to exist within the BBC for so long, but really get his tentacles into, into the royal family. And, and that, I mean, Charles trying to reach out to a man who was very, very popular within um, sort of the, the public psyche. Could he necessarily blame for that? I suppose his own public image that was under threat at the time. People were not necessarily, um, I think he's worked wonders in his own image over the last couple of decades, especially, and really found his niche as to what he was doing. But he was sort of floundering in that, in that sense. He's, he was only 40 at the time of sort of writing these letters. And it seems that he was trying to, to try and work out his role within society and looking to someone like Jimmy Tavill, who was very, very popular, is um, was, was probably a good thing he thought uh, at the time. But obviously, like many, many people, um, sort of hoodwinked over, over, over a long period of time by Jimmy Tavill. Now, that's kind of everything we had uh, to talk about from this, you know, the last week. But coming up this weekend, which I absolutely cannot believe has been a year, is the first anniversary of Prince Philip's death, which is on Saturday. Um, and that's absolutely flown by. I didn't believe it when I was kind of saw it in the diary a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an extraordinary year, hasn't it? I mean, um, lots has happened. There's been... Gosh, I mean, not not only where the Queen is now living, she has now taken up residence at Windsor Castle. Uh, we've we've had the the recent memorial service. I think that that was a fitting tribute to the Duke of Edinburgh, seeing his as his own funeral was was so scaled down. Although to be honest, I always felt that the funeral was fitting of the man. He didn't want necessarily a huge huge send off. He had um, foregone a state funeral for for when he he, he departed, and so. The fact that he was given a smaller funeral in the grounds of Windsor Castle where they'd spent their final days together, especially during COVID, I thought was was rather fitting. And you had the imagery of the Land Rover. Um, I, didn't, I, d- I definitely think he wouldn't have wanted a, a big fanfare. But of, of course, the passage of time just moved quite quickly, doesn't it? I mean, especially there's been coming out of the coronavirus crisis, Royals getting back to, to duties. We've had a tour. We're going to have another couple, I'm sure, in the in the next few weeks coming up. And so things are things are moving at pace. The, the, the Queen has had her own health issues over that period of time. Um there was touching touch and go, I suppose, in a lot of people's minds when she when she had COVID, but she's she's fought that and she's back to work. I mean, and she just needs to take it easy, I suppose. She's 96 in a few weeks, and um, and I suppose she'll be sort of commemorating the, the period on her own and, and quite solemnly, I suppose. I quite, you know, I guess it was quite nice that they did the memorial, you know, so she had that, she could do it, and then she can spend the actual day privately, as I, you know, assume she will, um, as well, so she got to do both sides of it. And um, What else do we have coming up this week? Anything interesting that you can tell us well, about? Well, we... We have, uh, no, because it's half term, the Cambridges normally take it off. I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, Prince Harry at Invictus Games. I mean, that will be very, very interesting because the fact, all the background about him not travelling back to the UK because it's too dangerous to bring his family here. Listen, lots of rumours flying around whether Meghan will go. Um, No confirmation as yet. Lots of... Lots of things to probably get sorted before the it kicks off on the 16th, I think it is, is the official opening ceremony, which is 
Saturday. Um, quite strange that it's over an Easter weekend because I suppose you know lots of people will be wanting to be with their families over Easter. However, you know, the fact is, if Harry and Meghan as well do come over to Europe with their own private security into the Invictus Games, I think that that does leave quite a big hole left to fill within his relationships with his family because he would have been super welcome at the memorial service for his grandfather. The fact that he didn't come speaks absolute volumes as to uh, as to the nature of his relationships with his family at the moment, which is very, very sad. And, uh, and while this court case is ongoing, with the at the high court with the British government as to the decision to strip away his um, private his, his taxpayer funded security, I, I think he's um he's in a very difficult position as to whether he will be able to come back until that is sorted one way or another. So, um, so yeah, um, not a lot going on with the Royals this week. I think that um, we will see a lot more activity leading up to uh, May after Easter because there's um, there's obviously a couple of big big tours coming up. Of course, lots to look forward to. Um, and I'm really, I am really excited for the Invictus Games, obviously, to see Harry. It'll be lovely to see him out and about. But just this event has been delayed. Was it delayed twice due well, to twice. the pandemic? Yeah, this yeah. Is, this is, yeah, yeah. So it's been delayed and delayed again. So And it's such I'm a sure great event. They always are. Yeah, it is. It is. And it will, you know, whether it gets the coverage, I'm not sure this time because you know, when, it, when people have when he's been within the royal family and the journalists have either gone to Toronto, Orlando, got great coverage in London, in Sydney, they backed it on to, or it was the start of the big tour of Australia. So, and New Zealand. So I, I, I don't know what coverage it will get, but whatever coverage it does get is, um, it is a tremendous event. So I will be there for a few days anyway. And, um, I'm sure there'll be lots of surprises. Sounds great. And one thing I completely forgot to mention to go back, archetypes. Now, oh now a word potentially owned by Meghan Markle. Archetype. That, I mean, this is incredible. What, what you've seen this story this morning. Yes. So go on, explain it. So this is so obviously in the new podcast that we briefly discussed last week. She um, is. So what? Sorry. How how are we how are we saying the word? Because I say it wrong. Archetype. Archetype. Um, she obviously the people. That's what she's. you know titled the new podcast which is part of their Spotify deal so she wants to speak to you know people who have been women who have been stereotyped in the media and kind of how that impacts how they're seen and the roles they can play within society so yeah there were reports out that she's trying to um is it trademark 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 the name yeah so that other people can't use it I mean, is this a bit of a hoo-ha I mean some people say that you've got to try and look at um You've got you've got to trademark everything. You've got to you know. Remember when they had Sussex Royal or Arch Royal? You have to trademark everything from films to papers to pens. I mean, it's just it just seemed it just seemed a little odd that they would try and trademark a word such as this. I think I've it's been in the English language. I saw today for four hundred and seventy years. So That's what I was just trying to, to find. Yeah, I was trying to find the dates. Yeah, it's not something you can easily trademark. However, our archetype is something that. The, is the name of the uh, is that the name of the podcast? I mean, God, I mean, I don't think you can you, you can trademark something like that. But on the flip side, you do it, and then everyone starts talking about it, like we are, and it's got yeah. loads of coverage. So now everybody knows the name of her podcast or what it's about. So maybe she's not so foolish after all. 
Very true. And this is what I don't know the business side of it, but I don't know if it means something that then they have it rather than Spotify have it. Perhaps if they, you know, if they in a few years time want to end their contract and go somewhere else. I, I don't understand no, the technical I mean, do you side. You know what? I, rec- I reckon it's a bit of PR, you know, sp- sprinkling. But by doing it, so it gets picked up and then everybody's talking about it and it's free publicity. It's but genius. it's not necessarily good publicity. It is doesn't that, matter. Do it's good, but it doesn't. <laughs> it's no, there's no such thing. Is there any such thing as bad publicity? I don't know. Maybe if you're the Duke of York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Russell. Uh, looking forward to hearing, catching up with you again next week. Thank you to everyone for listening this week. As always, it's at Podsafe, at Twitter on and on Instagram. And until next time. Pod save the queen!